Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to go to Philippians chapter number four tonight. Philippians chapter number four. As you're turning there, uh, let me again thank you so much for the opportunity to have been here uh, for this day and a half. Uh, it's been a blessing. Uh, thank you. The music has been wonderful. Appreciate it so much. And uh, the fellowship and the food. And thank you for enduring the preaching. All right. You only have one more round to go. And uh, I've got the longest drive home tonight, so you know I'm going to be quick. All right. We'll get you in and get you out. But uh, see what happens when I come back to Southern Ontario. The Leafs won in overtime and the Jays won today. I what can I say? I, it's all because of me. We'll see how it goes in the future. Thank you again for being here. Appreciate it. Good to see so many folks. And, um, you know, of course, you can't help but look out. And uh, my mind goes back many, many years and seeing folks that are getting older like I am. Uh, but thinking about folks that are no longer here. And I view the congregation and especially over, it seems, the past few years, uh, just a lot of loved ones, husbands, wives, children, Parents, grandparents have gone home to be with the Lord. And uh, it's not easy. The Bible talks about the sting of death. I don't know about you, but the older I'm getting, I just say this, death stinks. Hate death. But yet, aren't you glad we have a hope beyond the grave? world doesn't get it. They don't understand it. But I'm so glad that our loss is heaven's gain. And one day, thank God, we will see one another. So... Just remember, we've got a lot of loved ones waiting there, a lot of friends, a lot of family. And boy, oh boy, after we meet Jesus, isn't it going to be good to see our loved ones that are waiting next in line in that day? Uh, but I say, I'd rather go by the upper taker than the undertaker, amen? And even so, come Lord Jesus, that is for sure. Well, let me mention a few things to you, and then we'll get into our lesson tonight, which is going to be just five simple, quick points. So I'll give you the topic in just a moment. Um, I've always looked upon the local church as somewhat of a team. I really have. I thank God for everybody that is saved across this world. Everybody that's saved is part of the family of God. There's no doubt about that. But I look upon the local church as God's institution for accomplishing his work on this side of heaven. And right here, Bethel Baptist Church is a team. You're a team. And the team has to work together like a team. I love this quote. I've read it to our church many times, especially when it comes to things such as missions and what we can accomplish, not only individually, but listen to me, church, what you can accomplish collectively and corporately. Listen to this quote. No one individual wins anything for a team, but one individual not doing his job can cause the team to lose. Listen to that. It's true in sports, but it's true in the church. No one individual wins anything for the team, but one individual not doing his job can cause a team to lose. You say, what great preacher said that? Dave Keon in 1967. Some of you out there are saying, who is he? Well, you ask your mom and dad or grandpa and grandma and they'll tell you. That's a great thought though, isn't it? And it's true in sports and it's true in the work of the church. We must work together as a team. Thank God for the family of God, but thank God for the local church. One other thing I want to read to you. I read this. How many have ever been down into Ohio and been to what we call Amish country? Anybody been down that area? Sort of a neat place to go to. And 
You do sort of feel a little relaxed down there and so on, a slower pace and, and things like that. Um, but I was down there a few months ago with Andrea and, and uh, I saw this plaque and I took a picture of it and typed it up and put it in the back of the Bible because I think it's so true. Listen to what it says. Life is amazing and then it's awful. And then it's amazing again. And in between the amazing and the awful, it's ordinary and mundane and routine. Breathe in the amazing, hold on through the awful, relax and exhale during the ordinary. That's just living. Heartbreaking, soul healing, amazing, awful, ordinary life. But with God, it's breathtakingly beautiful. Isn't that true? Maybe that's because I'm getting older. It means a little more to me, but it's so true. And thank God what we have in Christ is so beautiful, and it's just going to continue through all eternity. Let's continue to make sure we do what God has called us to do, missions way. I want you to pray. I'm not going to mention his name. I want you to pray for a gentleman. Um, If I could tell you this quick story. Um, Thursday, I think it was, Brother Ray Kirkwood gave me a phone call and uh, said, hey, do you remember this guy by the name of such and such from... When you were in high school, I said, wow, I sure do. And uh, he said, well, we were talking the other day. And uh, I gave him your phone number. He's going to call you. And I said, great. And I haven't seen this guy probably since the 11th grade. may have seen him once, I think, maybe through the years I had visited. Long story short, we met this afternoon at Tim's and had a coffee and a donut and talked. And he said, uh, he said this to me, he says, do you remember when you were a teenager, you sent a couple of guys over to my house to try to get me saved? I said, I did that when I was a teenager? I was spiritual. <laughs> wow, I don't even remember it, but I thank God I did it. Anyways, we talked and that opened the door and, uh, you know, I did come uh, with a couple of things in my pocket. And gave him some material and so on. And I'm not mentioning his name. I'm not mentioning anything other than that to say, would you pray for this guy? Um, that maybe he would come to know Christ as a Savior. And uh, we had a good coffee together and so on. We talked many things and then ended off with a good spiritual talk. And uh, again, good buddy from high school all these years ago. Uh, great guy, but needs the Lord. You just remember to pray for that, would you? Just say, hey, somehow, some way, maybe the connection with others here at Bethel will be made to see him come to know the Lord as his personal Savior. What a great thing that would be. Philippians chapter number 4. In Acts 16, you don't need to turn there. In Acts 16, the Apostle Paul, we've mentioned him a lot today. In verses 9 through 12, just le- listen, if you would, for just a moment as I read, just as way of introduction to what's happening in the book of Philippians. In Acts chapter number 16, Paul again is working and and dealing with his missionary journeys. And uh, what an incredible church planter, missionary, visionary was the Apostle Paul. I think outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, I think he was the greatest man in the Word of God in New Testament times. In Acts 16, in verse number 9, we read these words. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over unto Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with straight course to Sathamalithus, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were in the city abiding certain days. 
That's where we are right now in the book of Philippians. Paul called of God to go to the city of Philippi, a great city with a great need that built a great church, a church that Paul invested in heavily and a church that invested in Paul heavily. They loved him dearly. And beginning in Acts 16, Paul began a time that really he had with no other such church. And he talks about it at the end of Philippians chapter number four. And so I want to talk about very quickly tonight in five quick points, missions accomplishments. If you've been here every service, Saturday night, we talked about missions glory from the life of Jonah. And then we talked about the missions message that we proclaim. This morning, we talked about missions messengers. We're either called or we're surrendered. Tonight, I want to deal with this, missions accomplishments. You say, preacher, I agree with you. I think missions is great. It's obviously in the word of God. But what does it do? If I invest in missions, if I pray, if I give, if I take time to be involved in this thing called missions, what is it accomplishing? What I, I, I get to see a little, we used to say slide presentation of what the missionary has done. And oh, how we need to allow those sometimes to, yes, sink into our hearts and affect us. I believe with all my heart that the eye does affect the heart. And it's a wonderful thing to see what God is doing when we pray and when we give. And by the way, folks, I want to remind you, we want to support men and women. We want to support missionaries that are called of God to do the work of God to the place God puts them. When I first went to Calvary in Ashland, I remember getting a a missions letter from this mission individual. I think they were in the field of Brazil. And... uh, Every time I read that letter, which is bi-monthly, I think, if I remember correctly, never mentioned anything about the ministry or the work of the Lord Jesus Christ or souls being saved or people being reached. All it talked about was, well, springtime has come to our community. Our flowers are blooming. My dog is running in the yard. We're just really happy to be serving the Lord here. We planted our garden. We did this, that. That's all it's about. Nice, warm, fuzzy-wuzzy. There's nothing about the work of God. I watched that for about six letters, seven letters. I finally met with my men. I said, guys, I said, what, what is this individual doing for the cause of Christ? I don't begrudge our missionaries, our pastors, anything in life. I really don't. I want them to enjoy what God has blessed them with and their needs to be met and taken care of. But goodness sakes alive, to me, when you're sending out a missionary, is it not to do the work of a missionary? Enjoy your garden. Thank you for your flowers. But what are you doing for the cause of Christ? What's happening? We talked a lot about Paul. The Apostle Paul was perhaps one of the greatest travelers of his day. He visited many lands, saw many scenes in many different areas. When he returned, he wrote a great deal. His epistles, widely read by the early churches and even churches today. And yet in all the writings of the Apostle Paul, There is not one line that is descriptive of the scenery of the countries, of the trees, of the mountains, of the lakes, of the seas, of the oceans, not a line telling of the wonders of the architecture of his day, not one line describing the customs of the people. Is not this singular? Well, there is a reason. The Apostle Paul was blind. 
As he traveled about, he was blind to everything else except one thing. On the way to Damascus, when he met the Lord Jesus, he was blinded by a vision of God's great glory. And from that time on, he saw nothing but Jesus and could tell nothing of the great glorious gospel. I'm not against the beauties of the world. But friend, if we're called of God to preach the gospel of Christ, this must become our focus. This is what it's all about. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we take on, and certainly you say, well, I'll never be an apostle Paul. No, I don't think we ever will be. But when we take on his characteristics and his attributes, and we follow his methodologies, then we see incredible things take place of what can be accomplished when we pray for these type of missionaries, when we help these pastors plant churches, when we see the work being done, here's what it does. Philippians 4, look at verse number 15. Paul, speaking through the inspiration of God, says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, that's what we read in Acts 16, listen, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I have all and abound, I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Preacher, what does our praying, what does our financial support as individuals, as a local church, what are the accomplishments of this thing called missions? Five things Paul mentioned right there. Number one, I want you to notice in verse 17, it brings fruit to your account. It brings fruit to your account account. I don't know about you, before I got married to Andrea, I wasn't a very good eater. Now, I want you to know, those of you who remember Hannah, she was a wonderful housekeeper. Boy, she loved keeping her house. But I got to be honest, mom wasn't really into heavy duty, over-the-top cooking. We never went hungry. We always had good meals. But she was, when I got married, Andrea's not a health food nut, but she was a healthy eater. And today, I want to tell you this, I, I love fruit. I love it. Do you all know it's grapefruit season right now? Any of you guys like grapefruit? Oh, my word. Those suckers, I can suck them down like Coca-Cola. I mean, man, you slice them in half and divide them. Oh, man, a good, sweet, but little tart grapefruit. Man, nothing like it. I like good, hard Macintosh apples. Amen? I mean, ice cold. Bite into those things. They sort of sting your teeth. They're a little tart. If you got dentures, they hang right in the apple. I mean, just that type of stuff. It's good stuff. I don't know how any of you all eat apples that have been cooked. That's not of God. It's not the way it's supposed to be. This apple crisp stuff and hot apple pies. I remember my dad used to eat hot apple pie with old cheddar cheese. Wow. I mean, it's just like mush. I don't want mushy apples. I want hard, crisp, good apples. Oh, they're good. Sweet oranges, good bananas. I mean, and supposedly it's good for you. There's a reason that Paul said it brings fruit to your account. Because fruit is good. 
He didn't say it brings fudgios to your account. He didn't say it brings ketchup chips to your account. Even though, hallelujah, those are good too. But he said it brings fruit. There's something good about fruit. It's healthy. It's natural. It's good stuff. Friends, listen to me. When you give to missions, when you pray, when you support missions, it is fruit. Listen, Paul said it's not fruit to his account. It's fruit to the church's account, the church at Philippi, the corporate identity of the work of Christ. Folks, listen, when you give, when you pray, when you support missionaries, when you plant churches, it is fruit to the account of Bethel Baptist Church. That's a blessing of God. It's a wonderful thing, and it's seen in three ways. Number one, souls are saved. That's the greatest of all. That's beautiful fruit. That's beautiful. A new Christian, a ripe Christian who becomes a fruitful Christian. It's a beautiful thing. Souls are saved. Number two, saints are sanctified. Do you think Paul didn't bless and encourage the churches that we talked about this morning when he departed to go and see how the churches were doing? You don't think that was a blessing to those newly established churches? You don't think that was an encouragement that, wow, the Apostle Paul's here. We haven't seen him for months. Oh, it's so great to have him, to see him. Oh, it's going to be so good to hear him again. Folks, the Christians that were in the established works, they were just encouraged. They were sanctified. They were set apart again, refreshed, renewed. Souls were saved. Saints were sanctified. And servants were sent. It's fruit to the account of the local church. That's what Paul said to the church at Philippi in verse 17. He said, I don't necessarily need it. I know God's going to take care of it, but he said, I want you to know in so doing what you have done, in meeting the needs of my necessity, it is fruit and it's going to abound to your account. That means it's only going to bless you and your church is going to be growing and maturing. It's going to be great for the work of the ministry at the church at Philippi. Bethel, tonight it'll be the greatest thing in bringing fruit to your account. Number two, here's the second accomplishment. Look at verse 18. Missionary needs are met. Not only does it bring fruit to your account, Bethel, secondly, missionary needs are met. And look what he said. I have all and I abound. I am full. I've received of Epaphroditus. Philippi, uh, the church at Philippi sent Epaphroditus. Listen, the things which were sent from you. We don't necessarily know who this man was, but obviously he was a man of God and he met Paul and his mission needs were met. He said, I have all, I am full, I abound because you are a part of helping me meet those needs. Thank God that we are a part of helping missionaries' needs be met. What a blessing it is. I hope that you review and you go through it. Uh, we are trying to do something at Calvary almost every week now. Not long, maybe just a minute clip, a minute or two video. Every week we'll get up and myself or Brother Steve Watson and we'll say, hey, do you remember uh, two months ago, three months ago, four months ago, we sent a gift of $15,000 to help this church in wherever build their building. And we'll show a quick video of them. And we'll see the people and the building being accomplished and it going up and the people rejoicing and having a place to worship, just like we do here tonight. We'll show video clips of land that has been purchased for church plants. We'll show video clips of all different types of missions things. And you know what that does? It looks and people say, wow, yeah, I gave to that. I understand it's God's work and God's money, but I was a part of that. But look at what it's doing. Friends, when we give to missions... When we pray for missionaries, missionary needs are met spiritually, physically, and ministry-wise. 
That's what it's all about. Number three, I want you to notice this as well. Verse 18. First of all, it brought fruit to the account of the church at Philippi. Number two, obviously, missionary needs were met. They were sent. They were encouraged. They were blessed. Their ministries were met and taken care of as well. And thirdly, it's a sweet-smelling savor to God. Now, get a hold of this. Look at verse 18. He said, everything you did for me, everything was an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable. Get a hold of this. Well-pleasing to God. Folks, I'm going to be the first to admit to you, I'm not always well-pleasing to God. I know that. And I don't imagine every church, every minute of every day is well-pleasing to God. But I'm going to tell you what. When you give, when you pray, as a church, when you corporately get on board this thing called missions, it's fruit to your account. Missionary needs are met, but it is a sweet-smelling savor. Listen, well-pleasing to God. Well-pleasing to God. Now, most of you, not most of you, some of you sitting here tonight know that I was not the perfect child. Some of you are actually laughing about that because you remember. Probably most of us weren't. But I can honestly say this. For the most of my life, I didn't want to displease my mom and dad. I'm sure I did. I know I did. But I didn't want to. That wasn't my desire. I thank God for my mom and dad. I love them. They're good parents. I wanted to please them. Let me ask you a question tonight, spiritually speaking. Do you want to please your heavenly Father? We're all sinners saved by grace. I said it this morning. We're going to, we're going to t- stumble once in a while. We're going to falter. We're still on the wrong side of heaven until we get the right side. We've got to keep fighting the good fight. But is your heart's desire to be well-pleasing to God? Adrian Rogers said, when I was unsaved, I ran to sin. But now that I'm saved, I run from sin. Amen? Now that I'm saved, child of God, my desire is to please God. I'm not going to be perfect at it, but that's my heart's desire. Do you want one of the ways we can be well-pleasing to our Heavenly Father? Be involved with missions. Be involved. Pray. Sacrifice. Be a part of it. This is well-pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And the Bible says, Paul said, it is a sweet-smelling savor. You know what God does when he looks down and he sees Bethel Baptist Church in action concerning missions? God looks down from heaven and this is what he does. <sighs> Boy, that smells good. I like that. We have a section of our Highway 42 just outside of our church. From the main intersection, actually just to about four or five miles past the main street to entrance to where we live. I drive it every day to church and back and forth. And it, it's called Roadkill Alley. I mean, you can go every t- drive down that strip about four or five miles constantly, constantly. On that road lay dead possum, dead raccoon, dead deer. Uh, it's just it's brutal sometimes, to be honest with you. you. You sort of drive like this down the road, just missing squirrels. It's all out there, whatever you want. If you're a hillbilly, come and have at it. Shovel it up and take it home for dinner. Beautiful. And so many times you see it driving. But you know what? There's one individual animal you don't have to see because you smell it before you get to it. 
Amen? The dead skunk in the middle of the road. And boy, do they stink, especially when it's ripe. I mean, you know what? You're driving down there all of a sudden. Whew, baby. That one's ripe. That one's new. You don't have to see it or nothing. You just can smell it. Atrocious. Some of you remember, and I'm going to say this tactfully and kindly because sometimes I don't. But when we were growing up over there on Berkeley Crescent, we used to have a dog named Toby. You remember that beautiful little pug? My neighbor used to say, he's so ugly, he's cute. When Toby got a little older, he got a little disgusting. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, we lived there sort of with that little ravine, and boy, he came home one day, and his whole eye was moved, completely gone. I looked down, and I went, whoa, that's interesting. The vet thought he got in a fight with a raccoon or something. But anyways, and he got old and just, well, there, there's times we would get home after church, and we'd open that door, and let me, I'm just going to, Toby had a little bit of a gas problem. I'm just being honest with you. You step in that door and you, oh man, thank God we're not having company over. Whew, terrible, raunchy smell. Open the doors, open the windows. I remember dad just saying, let's just get rid of the dog. Might be a good idea. Terrible. But then there are other Sundays. We go home. And maybe this is old school. But many times before we went to church, Hannah would get a meal ready in the roasting pan. Man, that beautiful roast in that thing, carrots all around it, potatoes, put it in before church. We get home, we'd open that door, oh baby, smell it all through the house, right? That roast cooked for four or five hours, it was so good. That was a sweet-smelling savor. A lot better than the skunk and the dog. A sweet-smelling savor. Folks, listen to me. I'm not being rude. I'm not being silly. But let's, as Christians in a church, not be a skunk, spiritually speaking, not be a dog. Let's be a sweet-smelling savor to God. Paul said when you give to missions, when you support, when you get on board, when you pray, when you meet the needs of missionaries and church planners, it is well-pleasing and it is a sweet-smelling savor to God. Let him smell that beautiful sweet savor from Bethel Baptist Church as we get involved with this thing called missions. Here's what else it accomplishes. Number four, it will turn or excuse me, it will in turn supply your needs as a church. Very familiar verse, right? Verse number 19, you can't outgive God. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus or by Christ Jesus. Now, I personally believe this is very applicable to the individual Christian. I believe that, but this is spoken to a local church. This is a local church meeting the needs of Paul in a missionary endeavor. And he says, church, as long as you do this, God will in turn supply your needs. You can't go wrong as a church supporting missionaries, planting churches, sending out preachers. You can't go wrong because God says, you take care of my cause, I'll take care of you. And God's got it all, amen? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every land. He's got it. He can handle it. He says, you be the type of church I want you to be in this area of missions. Paul says, through the inspiration of God, I will supply all your needs. Here's the last one, number five. Just sums it all up. What did Paul say in verse 20? 
Now on to God and our Father. Speaking about everything he's just mentioned, be glory forever and ever. I'm just saying this, it brings glory to God and to his work. It brings glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. We preach about it, we sing about it, especially around the Christmas season. When we give to missions, it accomplishes so many things. It's going to bring fruit to your account. What a blessing that is. It's it's going to see the needs of missionaries met. It's going to be a beautiful, well-pleasing, sweet-smelling savor to God. God, in turn, will take care and supply all your needs. Now, he didn't say wants. He said needs. And finally, he said it will bring glory to God and his work. I said earlier, either this morning or yesterday, the gospel is free, but it does cost to get it out. It does take time to get it out. It takes work to get it out. The work of the Lord Jesus Christ is just that, work. R.G. Letourneau, anybody know who he is? I read a little bit about him. I believe he still has a school in Texas, but he's the... I think the inventor of that great earth-moving equipment and so on. An incredible Christian man, and God blessed him miraculously. Millionaire. Here's what he said. It's not how much of my money I give to God, but how much of God's money do I keep for myself. Wow. That's got a lot in it. Let me say it again. It's not how much of my money I give to God. It's how much of God's money do I keep for myself? It's reported and testified that our, excuse me, uh, R.G. Letourneau gave 90% of everything he made to God, and he kept 10% for himself. You say, well, he could do it. He's a millionaire. Maybe so. But what a principle. What a principle. Friends, I want you to pray. I want you to think. I want you to ask God to put into your heart and your mind tonight If I get involved with missions, if I am involved with missions, what does it accomplish? What does it accomplish? And don't ever forget these things that Paul listed in Philippians chapter number 4. Because it does so much for the cause of eternity. Not many people will notice at this side of heaven. But I'm going to tell you what, it makes an incredible mark on the right side of heaven. I encourage you tonight, never forget what missions support faithfully accomplishes. Father, we love you tonight and we thank you for your word. Father, help us to always be reminded of what mission work and mission support accomplishes. Father, sometimes if we're not careful, we can sort of forget or we can just get lazy in that. And when that happens, we we can back off of our prayers, we can back off of our financial support, but oh Lord, help us to never stop because it does accomplish so much for the cause of Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us, helping us. And Lord, may you encourage us again in this area called missions, and we'll thank you for it.